Let's pray together. Father, we come and we ask for Holy Spirit power that you would anoint these words I speak, that they would be your words for your people, that you'd give Holy Spirit power to our hearts, that we would hear and understand and apply what you'd have us hear and understand and apply, that you would indeed give us take-homes that impact our daily living, and that we would continue to believe and know that you are the Holy One of the Lord, that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who died on the cross to save our sins. Oh God, fill this place. Fill this place with Holy Spirit fire, a renewal and a revival that cannot be quenched. Lord, do today more than we can ask or imagine. And do it all for your glory. We ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. Today's text is a rather lengthy text and uh, kind of backing up a little bit and, and getting uh, John 6 verse 51 and we're going to go all the way to, to 71. And I've titled this uh, Gospel Responses. Or uh, we could also call it uh, Faithless, Fickle, and Faithful uh, is another title we might uh, call this uh, particular message. And I hope that will become clear uh, as we go along. Uh, John 6, uh, verse 51. Uh, be good, a long text to follow along up here or have your Bibles out so that you can follow along and, and read. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and, and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Now, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling among about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you 
then no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Well, last week in the middle section of John 6, we read where Jesus spoke of himself as the bread of life that had come down from heaven. In today's text, Jesus returns to that subject. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the fifth time that Jesus has claimed in this section to be the living bread that came down from heaven. But in this, this time, he adds, though, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Jesus is a masterful teacher. He's taking something ordinary. He's taking something like eating, and he's turning that into a, a spiritual truth. He's making an analogy here. John MacArthur suggests that there are at least five parallels to eating and receiving spiritual truth. One is just as food is useless unless it is eaten, so also spiritual truth does us no good unless we internalize it. Uh, we don't want to just know the truth. We want to act upon the truth. We want to live by it. Second, just as eating is prompted by hunger, those who are satisfied with their lives, just as they are, have no hunger for spiritual matters. But when the Holy Spirit quickens them, when God awakens that hunger in them and makes them aware of their lost condition, then they're ready for forgiveness and the life that Christ gives. Third, the food we eat becomes part of us through our digestive system. Likewise, it's only by faith that we become one with Christ. Fourth, eating involves trust. Nobody intentionally eats tainted food. The very act of eating implies a trust. We're trusting that that food is edible. Eating the bread of life, Jesus, requires trusting that Jesus is who he says he is. And fifth, eating is personal. No one can eat for us. Likewise, no one can believe for us. It's personal. We must act. We must believe. Of course, many did not understand what Jesus was talking about when he, when he said he was the living bread and, and I give my flesh for the life of the world. The Jewish leaders designated as the Jews in verse 52 certainly did not understand. They disputed among themselves, asking, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And we might think there that, okay, Jesus, maybe, I wonder if his disciples were th thinking, Jesus, you need to soften your message just a little bit. 
but he didn't. His teaching gets even harder. It gets more shocking because he adds with it the concept of drinking blood. Verse 53 to 56. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in them. Of course, Jesus was not suggesting literally drinking his blood any more than he was suggesting literally eating his flesh. Both of these are metaphors for the necessity of accepting his sacrificial death for our salvation. But this teaching was particularly difficult for the Jews because they had been taught by the Old Testament that they should not eat meat with the blood still in it. That was strictly prohibited. Thus, the whole concept of a crucified Savior was very unsettling for the Jewish people, but also for others. That's why Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 1.23, we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block for the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles. But beloved, Jesus promised that those who trust in his sacrificial death, those who trust in the old rugged cross, would have, verse 53, life, abundant spiritual life. Verse 54, they'd have eternal life that they'd be raised up on the last day. That verse 56, they would abide in Jesus and he in them. Jesus was, of course, sharing the gospel with them. He was basically laying it out for them that you've got to understand that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose on the third day. And it's by believing in Jesus, trusting in his sacrifice, that you will have eternal life. If you've been joining us for the Three Circles training you know that the authors of that material suggest that people typically respond one of three ways. Uh, there's either a red light, a yellow light, or a green light response. And I believe all three are in this text this morning. Red light's a rejection of the gospel. Yellow light uh, it says they're not ready. And a green light says, yes, I'm ready to believe. The Jews in verse 52 represent a red light response. They begin to dispute Jesus. In verses 41 and 42, they've also grumbled and rejected that Jesus was the Son of God, saying in verse 42, this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how does he now say, I have come down from heaven? the Jewish leaders began to make a red-light response to the gospel because they outright, outright rejected Jesus. They rejected the truth of what he was teaching. At least some did, and the leaders were prime among them. But people also have a yellow-light response to the gospel. The authors of the three circles have defined that as someone who's, who's questioning their their. They're skeptical, they're still not sure they're ready to respond, but they're open to an ongoing conversation. 
I think there's another type of yellow light response in our text that in the end becomes a red light response. That's the ones who initially follow, but then they turn away. Their response is represented in the next section of our text, verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And the disciples here are not the twelve. That's going to become clear a, a few verses, several verses later. These are additional people who have been following Jesus. Maybe they've been following him for some time now. Maybe a great number of them began to follow them after he fed the thousands. And these respond, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? It's dawning on them that Jesus, that following Jesus doesn't mean you can just hang out with him. That it's going to require more. You can't just hang out with him and benefit from him. So they're beginning to find Jesus' teaching hard, difficult, offensive. Likely these disciples have been following Jesus for the miracles. They, they also maybe hoped he would be the king that would free them from Roman oppression. Perhaps like some today, they, they thought he was a great social reformer. And he had a great message of love and tolerance. And they viewed him as an ideal person to emulate. But they're willing, unwilling to embrace the biblical Jesus who rebuked sinners and told them that their only hope of salvation was believing in the saving death of Christ. His saving death. Jesus, verse 61, knew that they were grumbling. And he said, do you take offense at this? And the word translated offense can also be translated stumble. And both were the case there. They took offense uh, at his teaching, and it was causing them to stumble in their walk. They didn't want to follow him anymore. It's, it's revealing their superficial faith. Remember, Jesus said very clearly in verse 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. And Jesus knows that their primary objection is this whole notion of him coming down from heaven. And so he asked in verse 62, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He was in effect saying, if I were to go up into heaven, would you believe then that that's where I came from? He's pointing ahead, ahead to what will actually happen, his ascension. And his true believers will see that happen. But Jesus knew, verse 64, that some did not believe, including Judas, who would betray him. They, they would not come to him, verse 65, because the Father had not granted it. And he said, verse 63, it's the Spirit who gives life. The Holy Spirit had not convicted some of them, had not drawn them unto Christ. And so verse 66 states, after this, many of his disciples turned back, and they no longer walked with him. Sadly, they abandoned even the pretense of following Jesus, and they became like those who mocked him and rejected him outright. Folks, I believe many today are willing to acknowledge that Jesus existed that he was a prophet, 
that he was a good man, that he was a social reformer, that there's value in living as Jesus lived, and all those things have truth. But they're unwilling to believe that he was who he says he was, that he's the Son of God, that he came to earth and he lived our lives and he died our death. He took our place so that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we might be made right with God and live with him forever. But glory be to God. Some in our text gave a green light response. They too are represented here. Verse 67. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And the Greek construction of that question is very clear that Jesus expects a negative response. Uh, the NIV and New American Standard Bible make that negative response clearer. Because they write there, you do not want to leave too do you? Or you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter, ever the spokesman for the group, made it clear that they would stay. Simon Peter answered them, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, these truly know that Jesus has the words of eternal life. Therefore, they believe, they've come to know and to follow Jesus, that, to believe and to trust that he's the Holy One. He's the long-awaited Savior. He's the bread of life come down from heaven. Though they too will ha initially have trouble understanding Jesus' sacrificial death, they'll come to understand that trusting in his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us, that that's the only way to salvation. When Peter said, we've believed and we've come to know, he actually uses the perfect tense of the verbs there. And what the perfect tense does is it describes an action that takes place in the past, but has a continuing result in the, in the present and in the future. And what he's saying is we've come to believe and know and will continue to believe and know that Jesus is who he says he is. One of them, Judas, in the end, would fall away and he would betray Jesus. And the others would have their doubts and their fears. Peter would even deny having known Jesus, having been a disciple. But 11 at least, despite their doubts and their fears and their own shortcomings, continue to follow Jesus. You see, the initial faith of a true disciple of Jesus results in a continued commitment and loyalty. I think this text contrasts the faithless, the fickle, and the faithful. The faithless outright reject Jesus and the gospel. The fickle turn away when the going gets tough or the teaching gets too hard. But the faithful believe and they continue to follow. 
Beloved, as you and I continue in our faith journey, we too may be tempted to be fickle. We may be tempted to turn away. More likely, we'll be tempted to take offense at certain of Jesus' teachings. We're all tempted sometimes to focus on the teachings we like and to ignore all the others. I pray that will not be so. I pray like Peter that you and I may be able to respond, Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? Even when the going gets rough, Lord, even when your teachings are hard and difficult to understand, even when it seems you ask the impossible of us, even then, Lord, we'll follow. For you alone, Lord, have the words of eternal life. And we have believed, Lord, and we've come to know. And we will continue to believe. And we'll continue to know, Lord, that you are the Holy One. You're the Promised One. Help us continue, Lord, to know and believe. Let's pray together. Lord, we can be so fickle. We point fingers at the crowds who, who stop following you. But we're just as tempted. And in the words of one of our hymns, we're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. So Lord, bind our wandering hearts to you. And Lord, I want to pray right now for those among us who, who may just be filled with doubts and fears right now. And I pray, oh God, that they would cling to your son like never before. They would cling to you and never let go. Lord, we pray that by your grace, that we'll declare and live in such a way that it's clear that we believe and know that you, Jesus, are the Holy One of God. May we live in such a way that's clear that we know that you're the only ones, the only one who has the words of eternal life. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, praise, and honor today and forevermore. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you, today and forevermore. Amen.